I'm Ryan Day, and you're listening to The Increase, a podcast designed to bring excellent Bible teaching into your everyday life. Every week, I'm privileged to teach God's Word at Wrightsdale Baptist Church in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Here at Wrightsdale, our vision, mission, and passion is all about Jesus. If you'd like to find out more, visit us online at wrightsdale.org. In this week's episode, we're answering a question that you've probably heard before. Isn't the Bible full of errors? Many people today are skeptical about the Christian faith because they're skeptical about the Bible's truth or trustworthiness. So how can you answer this question? How do you really know that you can trust the Bible? Well, let's answer those questions together. In this message, isn't the Bible full of errors? Well, friends, have you ever noticed how many different kinds of Bibles there are out there today? There are just as many Bibles to choose from today as there are kinds of cereal or kinds of toothpaste. You can pick up the Archaeology Bible, which puts the Bible text alongside of articles on archaeology and biblical artifacts. You might go pick up the Leadership Bible, which has dozens of charts and articles on leadership drawn from all kinds of Bible characters. Or you could go after and pick up the very always popular Couples Bible, which gives marriage advice and can help couples heal their fractured relationship. But you know, friends, looking back through history, there have been a number of other famous Bibles. And these Bibles became quite famous because of some horrendous misprints. For instance, in the year 1810, a Bible appeared that was nicknamed the Wife Hater Bible. It mistranslated one of the famous sentences of Jesus. It translated it like this. If any man come to me and hate not his own wife instead of life, he cannot be my disciple. That was called the wife-hater Bible. Or how about the sin-on Bible? This first English-language Bible that was printed in Ireland in the year 1716 unfortunately encouraged its readers to sin on more rather than sin no more. Or what about the Wicked Bible, the Wicked Bible of 1631, which actually printed the seventh commandment as, Thou shalt commit adultery. And that so infuriated King Charles that he ordered that all the copies of that Bible be destroyed and all the printers who printed that Bible were fined. Or there was the Murderer's Bible. This was a Bible that appeared in the 19th century. It actually published Mark 7.27 with these words, Let the children be killed instead of let the children be filled. And then there was the Vinegar Bible. The Vinegar Bible was, print, was published by a man named John Basket in Oxford, England in 1717. It was called the Vinegar Bible because one of the parables of Jesus had a horrible misprint. It was called the Parable of the Vinegar instead of the Parable of the Vineyard. Now friends, we, we certainly do enjoy a good laugh when we hear about some of those famous Bible misprints that have appeared down through the centuries. 
But you know, friends, what isn't funny, what isn't funny is when people today seriously claim that the Bible is full of errors. You see, when skeptics and scoffers today say that the Bible is full of errors, they are not talking about the occasional publisher's misprint. No, this objection comes hard and fast from secular people who would say to you and me that the Bible can't be trusted. They say that the Bible is full of historical errors, scientific errors, factual errors, ethical errors. And so they say that the Bible isn't true. They say the Bible isn't trustworthy. Well, friends, here in this message this morning that I've entitled, Is the Bible Full of Errors?, we want to tackle this very objection. We want to answer it in a clear and careful way. So Christian friends, what do we say? What do we say when secular people claim that the Bible is quote-unquote full of errors? Well, this morning, friends, I want to show us four reasons why the Bible is true and trustworthy. So if you have your bulletin this morning, I've given you some notes there. You can follow along. We're going to talk this morning about Four reasons, four reasons that you can have total confidence in the Bible. Here's the first one, reason number one. Why do we have such confidence in the Bible? Well, here's reason number one. It comes to us from God himself. Number one, it comes to us from God himself. Now, friends, I know from the very earliest days that you walked around your elementary school, you all heard that famous saying, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. I don't know, maybe you were the one who used that saying when you came home from elementary school with your report card, and maybe it didn't look so good. So you said to your parents, well, nobody's perfect. Now, why is that important to this discussion? Well, it's important because when people raise this objection that the Bible is full of errors, they conclude that since the Bible was written by men, then therefore it must be full of errors. Now, stay with me here. This is not hard logic to figure out. I mean, this is very simple to understand how secular people arrive to this conclusion. I mean, just follow with me. Letter A, all human beings are imperfect and make mistakes. Right? Nobody's perfect. Letter B, the Bible was written by humans. Therefore, letter C, the Bible is full of errors. You see that? That is the, that is the simple logic that people use. But friends, the problem with that logic is that one of the premises is wrong. To say in the middle point, to say that the Bible was only written by people is not entirely correct. You see, when we open the scriptures, which we're going to do here in a moment, we discover that while human beings were very much involved in writing the Bible, standing over those human beings was the Lord God himself. So turn with me this morning, friends, get your Bible or open it there on your phone app and go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'd like to read for us today 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Are you there? Look at it with me. The Bible says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Now, friends, here in this critical text, the Apostle Paul, of course, was writing to Timothy. And he tells Timothy in this famous scripture that not just some scripture, but all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God. In other words, all scripture comes from God. It's God-breathed. In other words, Christians affirm that while human beings were involved as the little a, lowercase a, authors, lowercase a, authors of Scripture, ultimately God, God is the capital A, the capital A, author of the Bible. In your notes there, I gave you another really famous Scripture from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Here's another verse you really need to know, friend. 2 Peter 1.21 Peter writes there, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You should put a star by that verse in your Bible. That is so important. Now, friends, many, many years ago, Heather and I took our kids to see the USS Constellation that is docked there at the uh, Inner Harbor in Baltimore. And I think maybe many of you have seen that ship docked there. Maybe some of you have even toured that ship. It's really amazing. If you've never done it before, you should. The next time you get down to the Inner Harbor, go aboard the USS Constellation and take a little tour. It is truly amazing. This is a ship that's been around since 1797. It's an amazing ship, and it's sailed around the world. Well, I would ask you, friends, a very simple question. How does that ship move? How does that ship move? It certainly doesn't have diesel power. It doesn't have a gasoline-powered motor. Well, you know what the answer is. It moves by those sails catching the wind. Well, friends, that same word is the word that Peter uses in that scripture we just read about men being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men wrote scripture as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So friends, what we're saying is that while human writers were very much active in giving us the Bible, they were carried along by God's Spirit. God was the capital A author who was moving them to write exactly what he wanted them to write. And so friends, for people who would make those objections about the Bible being full of errors... Well, what we say to them, we need to remind them that God is the supreme author of the Bible. God is the author of the Bible, ultimately, and He never lies. And He never makes mistakes. In your notes, I gave you a couple of great scriptures that, that drive this home for us. Numbers, in the Old Testament, Numbers 23, 19, says that God is not a man that He should lie. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, says God is the one who never lies. Isaiah 65, 15 calls him the God of truth. And of course, didn't Jesus himself say? Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So, did men write the Bible? Yes, they did. But they were moved along by a perfect God who always tells the truth and who always gets it right. Now, can I give you a second reason? A second reason that we can trust the Bible as true and trustworthy. Here's number two. It stands up to rigorous scrutiny. It stands up to rigorous But if I came into your house 
and I saw all your bookshelves on your shelves, we could take a look at your little collection of books. Now, how would we know for sure that the books you have on your shelf are truthful? How could we determine that the books you have on your shelf tell the truth? Whether it's a book on gardening, or whether it's a book on the Chesapeake Bay, or whether it's a, a book or like full of road maps. How would we know any of those books were true? Well, we could test those books, couldn't we? We could test them. We could put them under the magnifying lens, so to speak, and test them. We could test them with observation. We could test them with experimentation, with examination. We could put them up against eyewitness testimony. We could even test your books based on scientific evidence. Friends, here's the point I'm getting at. Even though the Bible is a book that comes from God, the Bible is still a book. It's still a book. And as such, it can be tested. It can be tested just like any other book that we have sitting on our shelf. So let's think about a couple of the tests that we could put the Bible through where the Bible passes with flying colors. I'll mention a few. You jot them down. There's the test of history. The test of history. When we read the Bible, we bump into all kinds of people, places, and civilizations, right? We meet real people like Moses, Jesus, King Agrippa. Those were real people. Uh, we meet real uh, places like Jerusalem. It's a real place, right? Jerusalem, Syria, Rome. We read about real civilizations. Real civilizations like Babylon, Israel, Egypt. So the Bible passes the test of history. What about the test of archaeology? Well, the Bible tells us all kinds of interesting people. Uh, we meet in the Bible, we meet guys like King Herod. We meet King David, and we read about interesting places like Gaza and Philippi and the Isle of Patmos. Not only were those real places, but we actually have archaeologists who have, who have dug up artifacts and, and discovered artifacts from these real places. You know, friends, maybe you didn't know this, but did you know that for the early part of the 20th century, did you know that most people did not believe Pontius Pilate was a real person. Many, many skeptics did not believe that Pontius Pilate was real because there was no archaeological evidence that confirmed his name. And so many people talked about Pontius Pilate as if, as if he was some figment of our imagination. But then guess what happened? In 1961, archaeologists unearthed an authentic first century piece of limestone. You're looking at it there. And they're carved of human history. You know, friends, I have no, no problem saying to you that the Bible is the one book that has truly changed the world. You know, you can say that without any hesitation. The Bible is the one book that has truly changed the world. Think about this with me. How many laws, how many governments today have been shaped by the Ten Commandments? How much of our human morality, how much of our own human decency comes out of the New Testament? Comes out of the teaching of Jesus. Jesus teaches on the Good Samaritan. Jesus teaching on the Golden Rule. Do you know that the Bible has literally shaped civilizations? Whole civilizations have been impacted by the Bible. The Bible has shaped law, politics, science, literature, exploration, missions, hospitals, orphanages, even the founding 
of the United States was shaped by the Bible. Friends, no book even comes close to the influence of the Bible. And what I'm saying to you is this. How could any book do that? It must be more than natural. It must be more than just a normal, natural book. To have that kind of influence, that book must be more than natural, and we know that's exactly what the Bible is. The Bible is supernatural, isn't it? Because it comes as God's supernatural revelation. Look in your notes. I gave you some great reminders of this. Psalm 119, 105 is in your notes. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Only the Bible can do that. Psalm 119, verse 130 adds these words. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. But dear listeners, if all of that wasn't enough to, to convince us that the Bible is true and trustworthy. Friends, all we have to do is look at the millions upon millions upon millions of lives that have been transformed by the Bible. Many, many years ago, a great preacher whose name was Harry Ironside, he was preaching outdoors to a very large crowd in the city of San Francisco. And while he was preaching... Ironside got interrupted by this loud heckler. And the heckler shouted out to Ironside. He said, everything you're saying is a lie. And I challenge you tomorrow at this same place, at this same time to debate me. And you'll be here, I'll be here, and we'll debate this thing that you're preaching about the love of God. Well, Everyone turns and looks to Ironside, and, and Dr. Ironside replied. He said, I will be delighted to meet you here in this place at this same hour. And we will have a debate about the reality of the Lord God and his love for us. But I have just one condition, Ironside said. Just one condition only. I will be here tomorrow at this place at this hour. And I will bring with me... 100 people, 100 people whose lives were once wretched, wretched, but now they have been lifted up and saved and delivered by the love and grace of God. I'll be here with my 100, but I challenge you, I challenge you to be here and to you to bring with you 100 who've been lifted up or saved by the power of atheism. Well, as you might imagine, that angry atheist closed his mouth and quietly snuck away. Because Dr. Ironside was right. He was right. He could have summoned thousands. He could have summoned thousands and thousands of people whose lives have been completely transformed by the truth of God's word. Peoples whose lives were so wretched and dark in sin, but completely transformed by the love of God through Jesus Christ. You know, maybe you're listening to this message today, and, and maybe you're not a Christian. 
And maybe you've wrestled with this objection for a long time. Maybe you've wrestled with this objection that the Bible's full of errors. Well, dear friend, I want you to know today, I hope this message is showing you that the Bible is true. The Bible is true because God is true. The Bible is trustworthy because it comes from God. Friend, there's no other place for us to go to find God's truth and to know of God's love. The Bible gives us the hard truth. We are sinners by nature. And because of our rebellion against God's ways, we all deserve an eternal death penalty. But out of His great love for us, God loved us so much, He sent His Son Jesus to live the perfect life that we could never live. And then Jesus died on the cross, making the perfect payment for our sins. And the Bible says, we can be forgiven. You and me, we can be cleansed. We can be changed. We can be transformed by Jesus as we put our trust in Christ alone. Friend, listen, if God is speaking to your heart today, embrace God's love. Embrace His love for you and turn from your sins and believe upon Jesus. Friend, you can bow your head right where you are today. Whether you're right here in this room, whether you're watching on our live stream, you can bow your head right where you are and you can put your trust in Christ by faith. Friend, just bow your head with a humble heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge I need you. I need you to come into my life and make me new. Lord Jesus, change me. Make me new by your amazing grace. Friend, if you have questions about that, maybe you've got questions about what it means to be a Christian or, or maybe you want to have someone pray with you. Well, friend, talk to me after the service today. Or reach out to me this week. Send me a message. You can message me at ryan at rightsdale.org. But friend, let's connect. Because nothing is more important than you coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior. Friend, take that step. Take that step of faith even today. Well, family, as we draw this message to a close, I sure hope that this time today will encourage you and help you I hope you've gotten now some, some ammunition to use when you hear this objection being fired at you by secular people who want to say that the Bible is not true or that it's full of errors. Friend, this is a popular objection that Christians have been hearing for generations. And the new Christians will continue to hear this objection. So friend, we need to know how to answer it. Is it true that the Bible's flawed is it true that the Bible is full of contradictions? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. A wise person once said this, men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. And that's right. So friend, as you launch out into a brand new week, take up your Bible with a heart filled with confidence. We trust this book to be true because the author is true and trustworthy. So believer, be faithful to read it, be bold to believe it, and be proud to proclaim it. Read this book until your heart is full and obey this book until your life is transformed. Friends, what a privilege you have to have God's Word in your hands. Some books will change your mind. 
but only God's book will change your life. Thanks for listening. This episode of The Increase has been brought to you by Wrightsdale Baptist Church in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. For more information about Wrightsdale or how you can support us in our mission and ministry, visit us online at wrightsdale.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook and YouTube. If you made a commitment to Jesus today as a result of this message, be sure to send me an email at ryan at wrightsdale.org. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this podcast, then spread the word and share it with a friend. It's our desire to see the good news of Jesus spread far and wide. Thanks again for listening, and we'll meet you next time right here on The Increase.